This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. in a world today that they blame everybody but themselves. Now, when it comes to temptation, you know, God doesn't tempt anyone, but he does observe that and he allows he, he allows it in, in a sense that he's observing you to see if you're going to trust in him. He, so we could, to test our faith, but he never tempts. It's not my fault. It's their fault for tempting me. Have you ever heard someone make that excuse when confronted by something wrong they've done? The world today revolves around finding someone else to blame for your problems. But Pastor Eddie teaches you today that God may allow some of these trials to come into your life to test your faith. By taking the chance to prove your faith, you can grow stronger in the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Faith and Endurance. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. I was trying to see if I could finish the whole chapter, but there's a lot of meat and potatoes in these first uh, couple of verses, and I just don't want to rush. It's just like we don't rush eating, right? We want to chew and digest. And like my dog, he doesn't chew, he just swallows. Uh, we want to, you know, and so I, I figured let's just stop at 20, and then, you know, Lord willing, uh, we'll, we'll complete chapter 1. Now, we all know that we looked in verses chapter 2 through 11 and talks about trials. And we go through various trials. Trials are inevitable. The same with temptation. Temptation. Trials and temptation we're always going to have every day. And we'll have it as long as we live. We really learn how to deal with our trials in our life. But how do we deal with temptation? How do we deal with temptation? And so usually what often follows is after we go through trials, we're tempted to do something to satisfy or to get our mind off or try to resolve the tribulations on our own. Now, temptation could come, you know, without trials. But usually we see how the writer is putting trials first and then temptation because this is another thing we look at. When we go through trials... You know, we could be tempted, like if we have financial difficulties, we could blame God, right? If a loved one dies, we, we start thinking that God is not loving. So we're tempted to think something about God, something he's not. So in our circumstances, we tend to now not trust the Lord. When things are going, you know, really south, you start blaming God. I don't know why people blame God. God is perfect. He's never wrong. He's always right. The problem is us. The problem is the world. And so temptation is one of those things that we deal with all the time. Every single one of us will be tempted and fall into temptation. There is a difference. We're going to look at that. Temptation, by its very nature, 
feels wrong. Why? Because it goes against God. There's a moral compass within all of us, whether we believe in God or not. Everybody knows things are wrong. An atheist knows that if you kill someone, it's wrong because it's murder. God considered it murder. And so there's a moral compass within us, and we know that when we're tempted, we're tempted to do something wrong because it is wrong. Um, and so let's read verses 12 to 20. Let us read the passage together, and let's see what the, what the word has to say as far as temptation. Let's look at verse 12. Uh, James writes this, chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then... When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be kind be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, in our study, we're going to look at two things. Two things, for those of you who are taking notes. In verses 12 to 18, 12 to 18, enduring temptation. Enduring temptation. That's in verses 12 to 18. In verses 19 and 20, the qualities that are needed to, to go through trials and temptation. That's in verses 19 and 20. So let us look at verse 12 of chapter 1. And let's look at, this, look at this verse by verse. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now the Greek word blessed here is the same Greek word that Jesus used on the Sermon of Mount with the Beatitudes. You remember that sermon, the Beatitude? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, right? The word blessed there in the Greek is the Greek word mykarios, and it means happy. So really, when we read the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, it really means happy, happy. So here is blessed is the man or happy is the man who endures. I don't know about you, but when I know there is temptation and by God's grace and by God's strength through the help of the Holy Spirit, I am happy that I did not fall into temptation. And so that is the word. The next word we want to look in the Greek is the word temptation. If you were with us in our last study with the word trial, and the word temptation is the same Greek word that we looked at last time as pyrasmos. Pyrasmo means an experiment, attempt, trial, proving, and temptation. Now, how do we know whether or not the writer, you know, of course, we have to look at the Hebrew and Greek because there's a lot of words that are not available in the English language and the Greek, and then we need to understand what the words mean. We understand the text together. We know what, when it refers to trials, as we studied, verses 2 to 11, and we know that it's temptation in verses 12. Now, 12 can go with uh, trials, uh, but it, it could go either way, or with temptation. 
because it's the, it's the same word, but it's used differently. How do we know the difference? By reading it in context. Remember, the Bible is not written in, in chapter and verse breaks. We just have that, and we're grateful for that. But what is he talking about? It's how you use the word. Like if I say the word apple, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is the fruit, apple, right? But, if, you know, apple can mean the apple of my eye, you know, or apple computer, or New York City, the big apple, which is turning out to be the big banana. But <laughs> apple, it depending in the context how I use the word apple in the same way for this word here. Um, and so we studied it last time. It's trials, but also temptation. Now, here's the difference with the word in you read the context. Um, trials comes from the outside. It comes out of us. It's around us in our life. It comes from family, friends, job. That's, that's trials. It's from the outside. Temptation is in the inside, okay? We are tempted. It all affects the heart. How we respond with temptation. And so it's good for us to understand these words so that would help us understand the text as we move along. So back to James. So why should we be blessed? Why should we be happy when we endure temptation? Let's finish reading verse 12. He said, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, or that's another word for tested, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so the reason why we'll be happy is that we endure temptation because we have passed the test. God doesn't throw. He doesn't tempt us. We're going to see that. But we know we're tempted. Obviously, the enemy saying is behind that or other people or the world. But the Lord knows that we're being tested in, a, in temptation. And he's watching to, what, to see whether or not you trust in him and you endure in faith. And if you do... This is, the, this is the reason why we would be happy if we endure temptation because there's a crown of life waiting for us, waiting for us in heaven. Those who endure the trials externally and those who endure the, the temptation internally will receive the crown of life. Now, we see this crown of life is written throughout the scriptures. It's a promise that we will receive a crown when we get to heaven. Okay, when we get to heaven, not all people get to heaven, okay? It's a lie that good people go to heaven. That is not biblical. Good by man's definition or God's definition? We live in the world where every, the people call things evil good, right? That's, we see that now. And things that are good, people call bad. So we need to look at God's standard, what is good. And so there is a crown, 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, speaking of the same crown, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, that day, meaning when we stand before him, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance. So it's a loving God. Is to love God, is to have a relationship with God. It's not knowing about God, but having a relationship with God. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Peter writes this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Okay? We get to the last book, the book of Revelation, right? We're going to see that crown there, right? In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus said, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. There it is. That word proves the same Greek word that we see in our text. And you will have tribulation 10 days. 
Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So what if you're not faithful? You will not get the crown of life. You see, people think, oh, yeah, God is good. He's not going to let anybody go to hell. No, he doesn't want anybody. That's why he came and died on the cross for you. <laughs> you know? But we, we assume that God sends people to hell. The people would say, why did God send people to hell? The question assumes that God sends people to hell. No, God came on the cross to save people from hell. But they refused the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. Now, this crown, obviously, is not speaking of a material, literal material crown. If that be the case, I'm going to have that little paper Burger King hat, okay? Uh, it's not a literal crown. A crown is, it's, it's a symbol. And so, but is it given to everyone? No. Look at the end of uh, the, the verse again. In verse 12, it says, and it says, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to who? Those who love him. Again, it is those who have a relationship with God and obey God's word and live by God's word, by God's standard, not worldly standards. We love to make up our own rules. And the rules that we don't like, we want to rip them out the Bible. Oh, we're going to avoid that. No, it's living by the word of God. And that's why we study it and we look at it verse by verse. So it's to have a love. That word love there is the Greek word agape. It's an unconditional love. You see, this is why we need to look at the Greek, because the word love, we use it loosely. I love my wife. I love pizza. I love my dog. You can't love them the same way. You see, but in the Greek is agape, phileo, eros, and star. That's another one. But the point is, phileo, brotherly love, Philadelphia. That's where the word Philadelphia comes. But this here is talking about love, unconditional love. And that's the love that God has for us, and that's the love that we ought to give to God. Now, in verse 13, James gives a hard rebuke because in the midst of trials, we tend to blame God for everything. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the most silliest question. A person who asks, blames God and asks God, why is this happening to me? Why is this do does not know their Bible. They do not know their Bible. Okay? And so here, James gives some kind of, like, like, like a strong rebuke uh, because there are those who like to give excuses that God is the one allowing this. Let's look at verse 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Why? For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Let's read that again, because I think this is something our culture needs to understand. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Underline this. If anybody comes across saying God is, no, no. It's right here. God doesn't tempt anyone, nor can he be tempted. He, James is trying to set the record straight because not only that was a thought almost 2,000 years ago, that's the thought today in our world, in our time. When it comes to temptation, God never tempts anyone. And this is exactly what Adam and Eve did. Remember in the garden? <laughs> you know, when the Lord said, hey, you, you know, don't eat up that tree. You, you know, you have all the trees. You can make a fruit salad, a Caesar salad. Just Go, but this one tree, don't eat. Don't eat from there. You know, that's where, you know, God created as free moral agents, right? And how we know we're going to live by those free moral agents, we're going to make a decision for God. There it is. You're going to prove to God that you love him. So you're not going to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of it. And what happened? And the Lord said, who told you? He says, he said, I, you know, I hid myself. Well, why were you hiding, Adam? Where are you? He said, I was naked. Who told you were naked? 
Who told you you were naked? Did, I, did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? And what did, what did Adam say to the Lord in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12? The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree of life, and I ate. You gave me the woman, so it's your fault. It didn't stop there. Eve didn't want to take the rap. The serpent, the serpent told me to eat, right? All temptation, they fell into it, they listened, and because they failed, what they do? They blame God. And we live in a world today that they blame everybody but themselves. Now, when it comes to temptation, you know, God doesn't tempt anyone, but he does observe that, and he allows, he, he allows it in, in a sense that he's observing you to see if you're going to trust in him. He'll, so we could, to test our faith, but he never tempts. He knows that Satan is like a roaring lion, seeing who he could devour. He's out there. He's 24-7, 24-7 after your life, tempting you with things that offends God and those around you. And God's looking at you, see whether or not, why, why you're following it, why you're obeying it. I want to see. And then when you trust in the Lord and say, okay, that's what I want you. That's what I want you on your knees. This is a challenge in your life. I want you speaking to me, and now I'm going to give you help. Now I'm going to help you overcome this. Now I'm going to show you the words that's going to encourage you, and I'm going to give you the strength that you need to overcome this temptation. So how and why are we tempted? How are we tempted and why? Let's look at verse 14. It gives us the answer. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Your own. Where does temptation come from? Where's the source of it? You. Me. All of us. Every single one of us. I bet you wish James would have said it came from the devil, right? You wish that. But no. It's from the heart. That's not what James is saying here. It comes from within us. It comes from within us. It comes from the old, evil, falling, unregenerate nature, every single one of us. And it started way back when? In the garden. That's where it started. Right? Adam and Eve had children, and we inherit sin. When a baby is born, beautiful life, but it's born into sin. We know that. It's evident because when the baby turns to be about one and a half, two years old, you ask the baby, who did that? I don't know. Who taught the baby how to lie? <laughs> it's the nature. It's, it's in us. As a matter of fact, David the psalmist says in Psalm 51 verse 5, he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, my, and in sin my mother conceived me. Not that she committed adultery, but she was sinful, and my grandparents were sinful. My great-great-grandparents were born into sin, and now I'm born into sin. And we would say, well, God knows the heart. Yes, it's wicked. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In fact, Jesus makes it clear. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23, Jesus says, what comes out of a man that the Fouls a man. And the reason why Jesus said this is because the Pharisees would say, well, look at the disciples. They're eating with dirty hands. They didn't wash 
do the ritual washing, you know, oh, they ate pork, you know. <laughs> it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, but, you know, not what he eats, but what comes out. But he said, what's in the man that defiles him? From within, out of his heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. And we just uh, think America kind of celebrate pride, right? Pride before the fall. It's sad, but it is what it is. Foolishness, verse 23. All these evil things come from within and defiles a man. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he said, For I know that in me, he's speaking of the flesh, okay, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. What makes us right with God is when Christ comes into our heart, we put on his righteousness. The Bible says when we are born again, when we receive Christ as Lord and personal Savior, we're born again spiritually. And once we do that, automatically God dwells in our hearts. The Holy Spirit dwells in our heart. And when that happens, according to the Bible, because you are a child of God, through Christ, accept him as Lord and personal Savior, not because by creation, that's Adam. Out of the rib of Adam, we're all God's creation. Out of the rib of Christ and the cross, we're born again spiritually. We're complete. We're whole. We're perfect. We're holy. Now, practically, we need a lot of work, and you know that. But positionally, who we are in Christ, we put on his righteousness, not our own. And so that's the difference. And so temptation comes from our own desires. And Satan, obviously, he's involved with most of it. But Satan cannot make you sin. You cannot say, as Fripp Wilson would say in the 70s, kind of dating myself for some of you, the devil made me do it. Right? You heard that? The, de- the devil cannot make you do anything. He can tempt you and be a part of it, but he cannot make you fall into temptation. And you see, that is the difference. It's not a sin to be tempted. And we all have it. I have. All of us have it. The sin is when we follow through with it and fall into temptation. That is the sin right there. So you could be tempted. And what's amazing about that is that Jesus Christ himself was tempted. You remember? Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted, just, just like you and I. And, and if you remember that happened, let me, let me kind of go ahead on my notes, but let's go there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. The writer of Hebrew writes this. For we do not have, have a high priest, he's speaking about Jesus Christ, who's the high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points all points, not some of the things. He wasn't just tempted with a hamburger. He he was tempted by all things, even the most evil things you could think of. He was tempted in all points as we are. Yet, here it is, without sin. Without sin. Christ knows exactly what it is to be tempted. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of James. This book is like a giant mirror that forces you to take a good look at the true you, challenging you to reflect in actions what you talk about on a daily basis. It's not enough to make a statement of faith. It must be lived out. Do you struggle with matching your behavior with your beliefs? We'd be honored to come alongside you in prayer. Won't you call or email us? All the contact information can be found on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Again, 
That's runningtheraceradio.com. Running the Race is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Here's Jessica to tell you more about how you can partner with us beyond listening to our programs. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Service times and directions are on runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition with Pastor Eddie and Running the Race.